Thanks. Thanks, team. Um, so uh, this is when we normally uh, uh, sort of introduce the speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Zach Bell. Got some, got some fans, man. Um, I thought it might be good to get to know you a little bit, for those of us who don't know you. Give us your full name. My name is Zachary Samuel Bell. Nice. Was it, who's the Samuel named after? So his name was originally Samuel, but changed it to Sydney. Correct. Um, and that's my grandfather. Okay, cool. And then um, Les's dad, Samuel Heenan. So beautiful. Both originally Samuel, now one of them Samuel. But you know, you, you get the point. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how far you would go with it. So, um, uh, kids, married. For those, uh, you're yeah. a good-looking guy. I just want to let the single girls know, really. No, well, I'm taken. So sorry. <laughs> um, my lovely wife. Up the back, looking stunning. I was actually sort of rubbing her, like, arm, and she's wearing, like, a really nice sort of... I don't know if it's silk, but, like, a high cotton count top. (laughs) And I was just, like... It was... I don't know. I just had a bit of a moment. Um, And then, anyway... Just uh, remember, the more you talk, the less time you have to give your sermon. So, uh... Got Isaiah. He's turning four soon, and Amaya's um, two and a half. Sweet. Uh, mate, just to get to know you a little bit, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two options, and you need to tell me straight away what would you prefer. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. And you got to, whatever comes straight to your head. McDonald's or KFC? KFC. Twister combo. Sweet. Superman, Batman? Batman. Nice. Winter, summer? Ooh. <sighs> summer. Now, if you if you if you had a choice, would you rather have a body with skin only or just bones? Skin only, you yeah. say? Yeah, or just bones? Just bones. Just bones. Nice, good choice. Yep. Uh, blue or red? Blue. Isaiah or Maya? Laura. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to pray for Zach. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I want to thank you for this man. I thank you for his heart to um, share what you've been teaching him, and particularly in regards to your love for us. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you empower him uh, and cause our hearts to be still to hear what you're saying to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, We're just going to enter into a real smooth transition here of a bit of just logistics. I can grab Brett to give me a hand. I'm going to get a whiteboard. I'm going to be doing some doodling. Uh, just over here. So I'm just going to grab that. But, um, yeah, while we're doing this, I suppose um, if everyone just get their singing voices ready again, because um, I don't know if you saw the video um, that we put up that was sort of talking about this um, sermon. But um, I was just going to put it in here. Yeah. Um, so basically... Um, the song we're all going to be singing together um, is Jesus Loves Me. So just start thinking about I don't have the words up on the screen, but um, just start thinking about it, if you can remember. Like I said, the smooth transition that's happening right now. <laughs> I promised a smooth transition. This is one of the roughest transitions to happen in history ever. Just get behind here. Okay. May as well introduce myself again. All right, 
So that's, that's that. Hopefully no one can see that. That's cool. All right, is everyone ready? You good? Need a revolving whiteboard. Like a fan, you know. You know what I mean? All right. So does everyone know the song, Jesus Loves Me? This I know? Pull the Bible. All right, is everyone ready? And just picture um, Uncle Ian on the guitar and Auntie Flo. Um, great Sunday school teacher back in the day. Um, still is, but I don't think she's doing it anymore, is she? Okay. All right, is everyone ready? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me. All right, awesome. Good job. No, no, it's stopping there. Sorry. <laughs> stopping there. I knew you liked it, but not that much. Um, all right, here's my notes. Good evening. How are we doing, everyone? <laughs> no, but um, yeah. Um, hopefully, everyone's really excited about um, what God has in store for us tonight. Um, just going to pray again, just to sort of settle the old nerves. Here we go. Jesus, we ask that you help us tonight, help us, uh, help us to see you and your word and help us to feel you, help us to, help us to experience you. And um, yeah, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you, you fall upon us tonight in, in just new and fresh ways and flood it out into our hearts and, um, yeah, just really take control of our minds and take control of our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, tonight, we're going to be focusing on the fact that Jesus loves us. I don't know if you picked up the vibes. Um, yeah, pro- probably seems like a bit of a Sunday school sort of a topic, but um, you actually start going through the Bible and um, focusing on God's love. And I'm just like, why on earth did I choose this topic? <laughs> it's pretty much like you've got to try and unpack the whole entire Bible in about 25 minutes, but we're going to give it a go. Um, so if I can ask a question to you guys, what do you think is more important for you? Um, do you think... That um, sorry, what do you think is more important for God? God's love for you or your love for God? So just have a think about that for a bit. What does he hold in higher importance? I'm going to say that I think that it's his love for us that is more important than our love for him. Uh, I'm going to say that um, it's actually his love that allows us to love him. Um, And I'm also going to say that if we purely focus on our love for him and disregard his love for us, then that will actually drive us away from him. Um, So we're going to be looking at Ephesians 3. So... I think we're going to chuck that up on the screen. If everyone can still see the screen, can still all see it, Les? See the screen? So, <laughs> um, so we're just going to be looking at, like I said, God's love. We're going to unpack it 
And um, yeah, I suppose some of us probably go, yeah, I've got that topic covered. Like, what else you got for me? But I just really ask you to just, yeah, really just keep an open mind, I suppose. Um, and we'll see what happens. So um, Ephesians three fourteen to 19, if you want to open up to there. It's up on the screen. I'll just read it. So it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from, on, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So this is our aim tonight. This is our destination. This is where we're going to land, to understand what it means to be rooted and grounded in God's love. So, got some texters with me. So... Got the destination over here. I haven't drawn it this big before, so we'll see how we go. That's a tree. Not a very good drawer. I tried to draw an apple before, and I couldn't do that. Not bad at the old love heart, though. <laughs> so you got your tree, you got your love heart, and then you got your roots. Going down there. So just to give you a picture of the relevance, what's going on here, a bit of an analogy, if you can imagine. Um, just imagine like a large oak tree. Um, got a massive trunk, as they do. Um, got quite thick branches and quite a large uh, envelope, would you call it? Canopy? <laughs> um, Dan wouldn't be too happy with me. Um, Thick branches, healthy looking, um, but without a root system, you've got a little birdie that sort of flaps over to it, lands on one of the branches, it's just going to come plummeting down. And um, I feel like that can be some of us sometimes. Um, We can be all sort of puffed up on knowledge and we can look quite good on the outside, but um, if we're not rooted and grounded in love, we're just going to come toppling down any amount of wind that comes past. It's just going to wipe us out. Um, it was actually pretty funny seeing the video of myself on Facebook. I didn't realise how much of an ochre Australian bloke that I was until I saw it. <laughs> In my plumbing clothes, up against the timber shack. It's like, jeepers, absolute full-on Aussie. But, you know, I'm prepared to embrace that now, so that's good. Um, But this is where we're going to land. This is our destination, if everyone can see. Um, But I want to sort of backtrack a bit, sort of like a bit of a Star Wars scenario. They start in, like, episode five... And six, and then they went back to like episode one and then two and three. I think now they're making like six and seven. It's going to be a bit of a sermon like that. 
so <laughs> you have to bear with me. But it'll all make sense at the end, so, um, well, I hope it does. <laughs> all right, uh, so the next verse we're going to be looking at is um, still in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. So it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So, what does it say? It says, we were dead. Easy one to draw, thankfully. It's a bit of a um, bit of a sombering sort of a thought, a bit of a nice sort of analogy here going on with the hearts and the trees, but you know, it's talking about hang on a second, you were dead. It's like okay. It's a bit random, but you know, that's what it says. This is the truth. Um, and what else does it say? Um, just a little bit down in verse 2, following the prince of the power of the air. So who's up here? The prince? Prince of the power of the air, which is, of course, the evil one. And, yeah, we were children of wrath. doesn't sound very nice, but that was our situation. Um, but unfortunately, we've got to go back even further so, back, I think, to the beginning, to get a little bit more context. Um, way back to the garden in Genesis. Um, so, the actual original design of the human race, um, Adam and Eve, um, God, God put them there, and he actually gave them rule over the entire earth. Um, but in only three chapters, they managed to stuff it up. So... Um, the evil one comes along, a little bit of temptation. Um, they eat the apple, and um, they're actually, in that moment, have handed over their rule and their authority over to Satan. So now he is the one who actually has rule um, on earth. Um, so... Like I said, I can't draw an apple, but I can draw a Pac-Man. Whoops. So in that moment, when they've actually eaten the apple, they've given authority over to the devil. So the apple's been eaten. We're dead in our sins. We're following the prince of the power of the air. And I'm not quite sure how the story is going to go. How are we going to get from being dead to being this beautiful tree with our, um, with our roots grounded firmly in love, in the love of God? Um, let's just look at another verse. Uh, 1 John 4, 8. Up on the screen. 
Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. All right, so now it's starting to get a little bit more fun, a little bit more um, what we've come here for. So God is love. And then reading down in verse 10, it says, In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So what does that look like? You got the blue one. You got us here. And then God sends his son. That's a cross. So what does it say? In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. So you've got God is love. And his love is actually heading in our direction, which is awesome. It's awesome for us because back at this stage... We couldn't really care less about God and we've just followed this guy and this has created this and then so God's like, no, nah, no, nah, you need this. So we're the one disobeying, he's the one loving. And if we can just go along to, um, back to Ephesians 3. I think. And just zeroing in on um, verses 18 and 19. So when it talks about there, um, it's talking about the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And I think I might be possibly reading into it a little bit, maybe, but it's pretty cool when you think about the cross You've got the you got the breadth, you got the height, you got the width, and you got the length, and that is of um, of the love of Christ. So it's a pretty cool sort of analogy to think about as we're going through. Um, so the answers to all these things it seems quite simple, but in reality, very very difficult. There's not many of us that can say honestly, yeah, yeah, I love God with all my heart and all my strength and all my mind all the time, Um, which is actually one of the commandments that um, Jesus asked us to do. Um, But what's actually more crucial than that is the fact that God loves us. Um, the fact that we're actually commanded to love him um, is actually um, when the Pharisees are asking Jesus, okay, what is the greatest commandment? And he says to them, well, the first one, love, love God with all your heart and with all your strength and with all your soul and with all your might. And then the second one is this, love your neighbour as yourself. 
So we'll just bang that up there too. So you've got, all right, we've got to love God and we've got to love others. Um, I think we think to, be, to actually be rooted and grounded in love is to love. But maybe it's actually to experience God's love. So we've got a couple of examples in the Bible um, of this. Um, we've got John, um, who wrote John, and 1 John, and 2 John, and 3 John. Um, and he's actually the self-acclaimed disciple who Jesus loves. And in his gospel, he refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loves. Sounds pretty arrogant. Sounds like he's like, you know, thinking he's quite high and mighty. Um, But it's actually true. Like he refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loves because Jesus actually does love him. So he had this revelation of the fact that Jesus loved him. Um, He had the revelation of the fact that God's love is going in his direction. Whereas you got Peter, who um, we actually turned to the... Oh, there it is, up on the screen. Uh, So we'll just read it. It says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I'm going, you cannot follow me but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why, cannot, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you, da- will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the, ro- the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So you've got a bit of a um, contrast here between Peter and John, both disciples of Jesus, both hanging out with him. So, let's grab the blue. You got Peter over here. You know, he's going, he's, he's loving God, obviously, because he's going, I want to lay down my life for you. And then Jesus is like, Will you lay down your life for me? Like, He's, I'm thinking he's like, um, I don't think you're going to because you're actually going to deny me three times like pretty soon. And then you've got John, the self-acclaimed disciple who Jesus loves. What's he doing in this, um, in this setting? Um, he's actually laying on Jesus' like chest, like next to him, teacher's pet style. Um, and he's actually... He's there because he knows how much Jesus loves him. That's, that is purely the only reason. Um, so he's feeling the love of God going towards his direction. Whereas Peter is thinking, I love you, God. I love you, God, with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul, and all my I'm even willing to lay down my life for you. And what does Jesus say? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Um, so who's got the right answer here? Who, who do you think is the one who has actually um, got it right? And it's funny because we know here, because it says, 
um, that you will deny me three times. And Peter actually did. And the fact that he loved God in that way, it actually drove him away from God, from Jesus. And he denied him, denied Christ. And guilt, shame and condemnation was just absolutely flooding on top of him. And he's just, you know, in a bit of a pit of despair, really. And then you've got John. He's the only disciple who actually, when Jesus was crucified, he was the only disciple who was actually present when Jesus was hanging there on the cross. So even though he sort of fled initially when Jesus got arrested, he sort of quickly came back because he didn't feel that condemnation because he had an understanding of the love of God coming towards him. And then he actually returned a couple of hours later and was actually present when Jesus was actually getting crucified. So if we think of it in terms of our example, if we focus our lives on, oh yeah, I love God, I love God, I love God, um, it's not necessarily the thing that's going to help us get through. Um, Whereas if you take John's example and you actually have a bit of an awareness of, okay, it's God's view on me is not really dependent on how much I love him. It's really dependent on how much he loves me. So what's John's secret? What do you reckon he knew that the other disciples didn't know? And how do we move from a position similar to Peter of attempted performance-based love, which leads to failure and condemnation, um, to actually be able to imitate the relationship that John had with the Father, constantly feeling the love of God flowing towards us, causing us to not only love God like Peter wanted to, but also love others. Um, John was actually rooted and grounded in love and this experience that he actually had of the love of God coming towards him um, meant that he was actually able then in return love God. Um, And if we bring up Ephesians 3 again on the old slide if it's possible. There we go. That's good. Um, so when it says to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge it's like hang on a second this is not just a this is a more than a knowing thing do you know what I mean and the word for know is an actual real intimate knowing like similar to but not the same as um, sexual intimacy and when when Mary, uh, when the angel comes to Mary um, and says that she's going to be with child, she's like, hang on a second, um, you know, no one has like known me in that way. Do you know what I mean? And so this is a very, um, it's a similar sort of a knowing. So it's an experiential knowing and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This is absolutely amazing. So obviously... 
just reading these couple of verses, there's more to the love of Christ than we sort of think about at first. Because if we were to actually claim to completely understand the love of Christ, we'd be pretty clever. (laughs) Um, Another verse which is amazing, um, talking about the love of God, um, is actually Psalms... um, I'm not sure if I've got it up there, to be honest... I think it's Psalms. I'll just look it up. Does anyone know it? The one I'm talking about? Psalm 63. So, what does it say? Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So that's a bit of a mind-blown situation there. Because your love is better than life. So you think about life. You think about all the things that you love. Think about all the things you've been through, all the good things. It's actually saying here that because your love is better than life itself, my lips will praise you. So you've got, you've got a knowledge of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and then you've got love of God itself which is actually better than life itself. So we're starting to talk about a pretty big sort of a love situation going on here. Um, That's my son, by the way. (laughs) So John, in his experience of the love of God, he could feel that it's an unconditional love. It's not based on him. And like I said before, it's causing him to love God and love others. Um, Firstly, he didn't base God's love for him on what he did and he didn't feel the condemnation that Peter experienced um, because Jesus actually nailed that condemnation shame and guilt to the cross Um, so I think we've got that verse up there Colossians 2, 13 to 15 yep and you who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh so, tombstone over there. By cancelling, uh, sorry, uh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So, In this act of what Jesus has actually done on the cross, not only has he provided a way for us to actually have relationship with God again, but he's actually disarmed Satan, who is the the prince of the power of the air. He's actually um, disarmed him 
and he's put him to open shame. So no longer can Satan actually accuse us and throw condemnation, guilt and shame in our direction, but he is actually the one who's been put to open shame. So um, don't know what colour I'm up to, but I suppose it doesn't matter anymore. So what's happened is that Satan's lost all his power, which is amazing. I've got nothing else to draw. <laughs> That's good. So Jesus has triumphed over Satan in this amazing act of love that's actually happened on the, on the cross. Um, and just bring up Romans 8 as well, just to put the nail in the coffin, so to speak, as they say. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So like Peter, if we're actually feeling condemnation coming towards ourselves, that's actually us actively putting the evil one back on his throne where he's not actually there because Jesus has stripped him of all his authority and he's not there. But when we, when we actually accept the shame, we accept the guilt of let's just say, a potential sin that one of us might do, um, not accusing you guys of sinners, but um, sometimes in my life I slip up on the odd occasion. Um, but when that actually happens, we can repent and we can instantly feel the love of God coming towards us. It's not like a, oh, I was at level four Christianity, now I've been wiped back to one, and I've got to slowly make, like, claw my way back, and then Jesus is going to love me again. It's He's loving you throughout the whole process. His love doesn't stop heading towards you, and that is what the kind of love that John knew. Um, whereas what we, we saw, I, I grew up doing it, um, you'd actually go, oh, I've stuffed it up again. Satan's sitting on your shoulder going, here you go again. And you actually promised God last week that you were never going to do it again. Six and a half days later, here we are at the same spot. And you're like, oh. And you actually run away from God, like what Peter did. He's like, oh. And then, you know, actually feeling all this weight, all this weight. And we just actually are then elevating Satan to this place that he doesn't deserve to be. Um, we actually crown him all over again um, and allow this condemnation to actually affect us. Whereas clearly, we can read it, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is something that it's not a bad thing to wake up and actually say to yourself when you're looking in the mirror. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so easily, like we can all easily just fall back into that trap all the time. Um, So what is actually John's take on the love of God? We'll just open up 1 John 4.18. See what John has to say about it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
John 4. Um, I'll just read a bit more from there as well. What verse is that, 18? Oh, there it is, verse 19. Sneaky little guy. So it says, and I haven't actually put it up there, but you're just going to have to trust me on this. It actually says in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. So that's a bit of a John-style love going on there. That's a bit of the situation that he was in. His friend, um, Jesus, is getting hung up on the cross and he could feel the love coming towards him from God and that actually enabled him to love. Glad I found that. Just put me on the spot there. Um, so back to Ephesians 3. And so now you're wondering, okay, what's the gap? Because you've gone a little bit of a journey. You've got to John with the love heart, and then you've got the tree with the, the love heart here and the roots going down. Like, how are we going to bridge that gap? All right, well, this is where it gets a little bit practical, I suppose. Um, so, if you want to just, yeah, maybe turn to Ephesians 3 if you've got your Bibles, um, just so you can have it open. But we're going to go to the next slide, just a couple of steps. A couple of practical things are going to help us. So, step one, being rooted and grounded in love. Stop boasting of your love for God. Start boasting of his love for you. This is a little example you could potentially say. (laughs) Hi, I'm Zach, the plumber who Jesus loves. That would be completely true. It sounds a bit weird, but it's completely true. Um, Put yourself in that sort of little situation. It's like, hi, I'm Leslie, the... Managing directors of Bell Real Estate's assistant, who Jesus loves. (laughs) Um, Step number two, surrender your performance. So, like like Peter, you know, I love you, God. I'll die for you. Just, he's not really interested in that. Um, Be still and know that he is God and that he loves you. And allow that love to actually transform you and then act out of that place. Um, This is another little practical thing we can do. Um, I want you to this week, if you remember, every time the sun hits your skin, every sunset and every sunrise, let this be a reminder of God's love for you. The warmth of the sun on your arm as you're driving along in your car. His love beaming towards you allowing you to love him and love others. That's just something that I've sort of... I heard a sermon talked about that, as in the actual sunlight. And you think about, like, you know, it hits your skin, you're like, oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, God loves me. It's just something I've been doing. I don't know if you guys think that's weird, but you probably already do it. All right, next slide. Um, Step three, prayer. So if we actually look about um, back in Ephesians 3, what does it say? This is Paul. Whoops. Um, Come on. Oh, you. That's all right. I think I know it anyway. 
step three prayer. This is actually Paul praying for the Ephesian church. So if he's praying for us and he wants this for us, I guess it's not a bad idea that we actually pray for it ourselves. So I've sort of put it like back in our shoes, so to speak. So praying for ourselves, what Paul is praying for us. Lord, I pray that you strengthen me with power in my inner being so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, that you cause me to be rooted and grounded in love, that I may with all the saints comprehend slash know your love and be filled to all your fullness. So just on that one, and it's interesting to look at the word comprehend because in some other translations, and if you look into the um, Greek and whatever, it's actually sort of like more like an apprehend. So if you're going to picture like a couple of police officers apprehending a criminal, they're not sort of doing it lightly. You know what I mean? Like you've got one guy who's probably got a gun. You've got another guy with a... Um, uh, what are those tasers? You got another guy with some um, capsicum spray, and then you got another guy who's like lined him up from 50 meters away, tackles him, they put him in handcuffs, throw him in the back of the divvy van. This is the type of comprehend that it's actually talking about. It's like seize, take hold of. Do you know what I mean? And the other awesome thing that it's talking about, and that it says there, that I may with all the saints comprehend. So as a church, as a collective body, we're supposed to be going on this journey together. And in terms of the love of Christ, we're supposed to take hold of that and seize it collectively together. So we're actually journeying together on this. So I think that's pretty cool in terms of our union that we share together. Um, and be filled to all your fullness. So that's just like, mind blown. Don't know how that works, but let's leave that for a whole other sermon. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't even get that yet. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, step four, taste and see. So this is, um, this is a good verse that Laura actually brought to my attention. Um, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, so when it's talking about tasting and seeing, that's obviously an experience sort of a thing, you know. You're actually tasting the love of God. You're seeing it. But we might be able to actually slot in there, oh, experience and believe that the Lord is good. Um, So they, th- they say that things need to move from your head to your heart. But I actually think it's the other way around. Um, I think that the work needs to be done in our hearts for then to be um, moved into our soul, then to move into our mind, and then we physically see it happening you know, in our body, if that makes sense. And the reason I bring that up back in Ephesians 3. Um, maybe whip up that, that slide if we can. <laughs> I'm making her work for our money tonight, that's for sure. 
Um, where was it? What am I going on about here? Okay, sorry. All right, so what happens is, verse 17, so 16, 17, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So this is, this is like inner being stuff. So you've got the Holy Spirit, it's being joined with our spirit, so that's the union we share with Christ. So there's a, there's a strengthening with power that's taking place there. And then it says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that's like the next layer out. So Christ is bursting out of that inner being and he's actually flooding into our hearts and the process by which that takes place is faith. Right? And so once it's moved from our inner being, which is the fullness of God in there, it's gone bang, exploded into our hearts. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend what is actually taking place there. So this is like supernatural stuff that actually taking place. It's not just like you figure out that one plus one equals two. Um, it's requiring prayer. Um, so that's why it's not a bad idea to pray. It's a little bit of a, a, a hard... You, know, it, you can't just give a 10 steps to Christianity sort of and then sell a book and make millions, even though some have, but, um, you know, it's a little bit complicated sometimes. Um, so this whole idea, this topic, the love of Christ, it's massive um, and it surpasses knowledge. Um, it's discovered in many ways along our journey, and we, the, the awesome thing is we get to experience it together. Um, it's got many different levels that we're going to come across, um, but it's awesome to know that as long as we're alive, we're just going to continue, continually, um, day by day, week by week, be getting new glimpses as we live, just experiencing more and more of God's love in more phenomenal ways so that's sort of the end of everything Um, we're going to enter into a time of communion now Um, so the tables are just sort of here in their little stations Um, what we're going to do is just individually as you sort of feel led um, or if there's space around the table come up and take a piece of bread And this symbolises Christ's body um, that was broken and put on the cross. And then we've got the juice, and this represents uh, Christ's blood, which is actually poured out for us and um, atones for our sins. Um, Got a couple of verses. Um, This one's from Hebrews. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then another verse. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So as we're taking communion, I just want you to focus on the fact that God actually loves you. Um, No matter what your condition is, uh, no matter your faults, if you have any, I've got a couple, um, and no matter your circumstance. Um, If you've never experienced the love of Jesus before in your life, I encourage you to go and have a chat to Shabu or John, or if you know who Nathan is, they're the pastors here. Um, They'll be able to pray with you and and guide you through some stuff. Um, So I'm just going to pray for that. Um, There's going to be a little bit of a song playing over the um, speakers, pretty sure. Um, And, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll just pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for how awesome you are the sacrifice that you are willing to give for us. We just pray, Lord, for a new awareness of the love that you have for us. And we pray that you can help us to surrender and stop striving in our own strength, but we can just sort of rest in the fact that you already love us. We just um, pray that uh, we can all really focus on these emblems and we can be reminded the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.